Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome back to the Knowing God podcast. My name is Anike Akinbode, your host, but we must welcome our very special host, the Holy Spirit, because as you all know, we cannot engage in reading this Bible without the help of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is what helps us to see and receive the revelations from our readings so that we can better connect with God and better understand that which we are purposed to do on this earth. So with that being said, let's say a word of prayer. Father, we just want to thank you once again for this opportunity to come before you as we come together in fellowship to read your word. And we just ask that the Holy Spirit come in our midst, help us to understand what is being read, and that you will reveal what we probably have never seen before, even after reading this text. And that revelation will do something in us, strike a chord and convict our spirits to continue on this journey uh, to righteousness and to salvation as we live according to your words, according to your commandments. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. All right. So welcome back, guys. I hope your week is going well so far. I usually upload and record most times every Wednesday. And so I'm asking how your week is going so far because today is Wednesday. We're just in the middle of the week, okay? We still got about two, three more days if we want to count Saturday as day number seven. Uh, We still have about two, three days in the week. And so I'm hoping your day is going well. I'm excited. So we are getting into chapters 34 and 35. Guys, we have about, I think, four chapters left for the book of Exodus. Oh my goodness, we are almost there. And it is so exciting. I know I did say, just to kind of go on a tangent for a bit, um, I know I did say maybe we should start the Old Testament as well. So we, we did do January I said January. What is happening with me? (laughs) I'm like overly excited. So we did start with the book of Genesis, which was titled The Beginning. If you are a first time listener and you have not gone through the Genesis series, please, I implore you to go ahead and listen. And you will notice the maturity in my readings as well. The maturity of the Holy Spirit in me as well. Um, But please definitely go ahead and uh, listen to those episodes and catch up. And if you have listened to Genesis, but you have not started the Exodus series, then I implore you to do the same so that we can all be on the same page. All right. So anyway, I am really excited. And I thought that I would go into the New Testament and do like maybe Matthew and and Mark and then come back to the old so that we can kind of see how Jesus has always been right since the beginning of time. But I think how we're going is fine. Let's get into the Old Testament. Let's understand what God was doing in us in order to prepare us for the coming of Christ, you know, and and for the coming of Christ that is still that is still underway. Right. So I I feel like the Old Testament uh, is we, we would be doing it justice if we just continue on that path. So let's get right into it. We did chapters 32 and 33 last week which was really good. It was um, about the commandments that God was leaving with Moses. Remember the people rebelled and turned around and and made a golden calf statue and said, yes, this is our God now. Mind you, the statue does not talk. It doesn't leave them anywhere. It just allowed them to indulge in, you know, fleshly desires 
Uh, and so, you know, God was very pissed off. He was actually ready to just be done with the people. Like, I am about to eradicate everyone. And Moses came back and said, but God, you said in your word, X, Y, Z. Do you now want the Egyptians to mock you, to mock us, to say, oh, look at that. Their God brought them out of our land only to kill them. No, you wouldn't go back on your word. You said that there was a land flowing with milk and honey and that you were going to take us to that promised land. Surely you're not going to unfulfill your promise to Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac. And of course, the Lord, being the God that he is, who does not go back on his word, he says, okay, I will relent. But you're going to have to talk to your people, okay? That's basically what God is saying. They're not my people yet. Because they are stiff-necked, a.k.a. they are stubborn. They are set in their fleshly, selfish ways. And therefore, I cannot consider them my people just yet. So deal with your people according to what I'm going to tell you, and we'll go from there. And so here we are. We are now in chapter 34, and I'm going to begin reading. This is titled, Moses Makes New Tablets. And obviously, this subtitle comes from when Moses came down from the mountain after his 40 days with the Lord and saw that these people indeed were feasting and engaging in such worldly activities, worshiping this golden statue. He was so pissed off, he broke those tablets. So in his anger, he did something that was very, very blasphemous, very, very disrespectful, very, very sinful against God. So you know God is still gonna remind him of that, right? So here we go, chapter 34. Get your Bible out and let's read along. And if you got your coffee or your hot chocolate or your bottle of water, you know, whatever it is you're doing, maybe a bowl of salad, right? Let's stay trim for the Lord so we can run up and down and praise him in the aisles at church. Hey, all right, let me stop. Um, so just get comfortable and open your Bible with me. So we are at chapter 34, Moses makes new tablets. And the Lord said to Moses, cut two tablets of stone like the first ones. And I will write on these tablets the words that were on the first tablets, which you broke. There goes the reminder right there God has given him. So be ready in the morning and come up in the morning to Mount Sinai and present yourself to me there on the top of the mountain. And no man shall come up with you and let no man be seen throughout all the mountains. Let neither flocks nor herds feed before that mountain. So he cut two tablets of stone like the first ones. Then Moses rose early in the morning and went up Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him. And he took in his hand the two tablets of stone. Now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord. The Lord, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation, my God. So Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped. Then he said, if now I have found grace in your sight, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray, go among us, even though we are a stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us as your inheritance. This subtitle is called The Covenant Renewed, chapter, verse 10, excuse me. And he said, Behold, 
I make a covenant. Before all your people I will do marvels such as have not been done in all the earth, nor in any nation, and all the people among whom you are shall see the work of the Lord, for it is an awesome thing that I will do with you. Observe what I command you this day. Behold, I am driving out from before you the Amorite, the Canaanite, and the Hittite, and the Perizzite, and the Hivite, and the Jebusite. Take heed to yourself, lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land where you are going, lest it be a snare in your midst. But you shall destroy their altars, break their sacred pillars, and cut down their wooden images. For you shall worship no other god, for the Lord who is your God is jealous, is a jealous God. Lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land and they play the harlot with their gods and make sacrifice to their gods and no, and, and one of them invites you and you eat of his sacrifice and you take of his daughters for your sons and his daughters play the harlot with their gods and make your sons play the harlot with their gods. You shall make no molded gods for yourself. The feast of unleavened bread you shall keep. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, as I commanded you in the appointed time of the month of Abib. For in the month of Abib you came from Egypt. All that open the womb are mine, and every male firstborn among your livestock, whether ox or sheep. But the firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. Hmm. This is a quite significant, so I'm going to highlight that. And if you will not redeem him, then you shall break his neck. All the firstborn of your sons you shall redeem, and none shall appear before me empty-handed. Six days you shall work, but on the seventh day you shall rest in plowing time, and in harvest you shall rest. And you shall observe the feast of weeks of the first fruits of wheat harvest, and the feast of ingathering at the year's end. Three times in the year all your men shall appear before the Lord, the Lord God of Israel. For I will cast out the nations before you and enlarge your borders. Neither will any man covet your land when you go up to appear before the Lord your God three times in the year. Come on, God. He's a man of his word, okay? You shall not offer the blood of my sacrifice with leaven, nor shall the sacrifice of the feast of the Passover be left until morning. The first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring to the house of the Lord your God. You shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. Verse 27, Then the Lord said to Moses, Write these words. For according to the tenor of these words, I have made a covenant with you and with Israel. So he was there with the Lord forty days and forty nights. He neither ate bread nor drank water. Sounds like Moses was in fast for those 40 days and 40 nights, a very significant fasting period. And he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. Hallelujah. This is subtitled, The Shining Face of Moses, verse 29. Now it was so, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai, and the two tablets of the testimony were in Moses' hand, when he came down from the mountain, that Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. So at this time, basically what they're saying when they said shone, his face was very bright. There was this bright glory 
that appeared before Moses when he came down from the mountain after the 40 days and 40 nights with God. So when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. Then Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned to him, and Moses talked with them. Afterward, all the children of Israel came near, and he gave them as commandments all that the Lord had spoken with him on Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. But whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would take the veil off until he came out. And he would come out and speak to the children of Israel, whether he had been, whatever he had been commanded. Verse 35, which is the last verse. And whenever the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone, then Moses would put the veil on his face again until he went in to speak with him. Capitalized H, knowing that that is God that they're referring to. Wow. So that is chapter 34. Whew. Talk about being in the presence of God. Just being in his presence alone is glorious. So you can imagine being in his presence for that long, such as Moses, right? And we, we learn later on that Jesus Christ did the same thing for 40 days and 40 nights. For Moses having to use a veil over his face, it means that his face shined in so much glory that the people couldn't even look at him. It was that bright. So you can only imagine God himself appearing before the people. Hence the reason why he says, if I should be seen by man, they will die. Because my glory is just too much, they wouldn't be able to take it. They would not be able to handle it. So you can imagine, this is a man in physical form who was transformed, transfigured spiritually with the glory of God that when he appeared before the people, he was just too bright. That glory was just too bright. Can you see that if the people were to take Moses' body, right? Because eventually Moses dies, right? They would have probably turned Moses into their God. Look at what the Israelites were privy to. Look at the opportunity they had in front of them. And still, we're very blasphemous, sinful people. Yet, they came that close to the glory of God. They would witness a pillar of cloud appearing before Moses, talking with him. That pillar of cloud being the Lord. I mean, God is just amazing. And that's the kind of renewed covenant, renewed glory, renewed favor that you always want with God, where you would always be in his spirit. You know, in Psalm 51 verse 11, it says, renew a right spirit within me. You know, you want a new spirit. You want a fresh spirit. You want the Holy Spirit to be in you, to be upon you so that his glory would also be upon you. That when you come in contact with others, Others will come in contact with Christ that resides in you because of that glory that is shining forth. You know, that's what Moses was exhibiting here or Paul or Peter or anyone else who had the glory of God upon them. And so, you know, these tablets, Moses had broke the first one, obviously, because he was angry. And that was like breaking the covenant almost with the people of Israel. You know, God was ready to be done with them. But he said he was going to write the words that he had written on the first one again 
So Moses uh, was in this place interceding for Israel. Israel had to repent and eventually God was going to restore them. So it was only right that they got new tablets because these tablets were the Ten Commandments. And that was what he spoke to Moses with on Mount Sinai. So, you know, again, Moses is acting as the mediator between God and the people. Um, the people couldn't really deal with God directly, obviously, because they're of their sin and their rebellion. So at this point, God is like drawing, is moving away from the people because their sin and their rebellious nature, their stiff neckness, for lack of a better term, was just becoming too much. And God is too holy, too pure, too revered to have to be in the presence of these rebellious people. So Moses was the one who bridged the gap between the people and God, right? And so these are the things that we see here. You know, when, um, it, you know, when the Lord would descend with the cloud and, and stand before Moses, that was that, that glory is what they call the Shekinah glory, Shekinah glory. Uh, some people pronounce it, some people pronounce it as Shekinah, some people pronounce it as Shekinah, but is that Shekinah glory, you know, that glory, that the cloud of glory that covered Mount Sinai, that that went with Israel by day. And, you know, um, he, uh, he used the stars to move with them by night. It always stood at the tent of Moses. And I, I spoke about that earlier. Um, that was the same glory that filled Solomon's temple. And by the grace of God, we will get there. This podcast will never die in the name of Jesus. Um, that was the same kind of glory in Luke 135 that overshadowed Mary at the conception of Jesus. That was the same glory, according to Luke 9, 34 to 35, that was present when Jesus was being transfigured. And I, I mentioned that again earlier. That is the same glory by the grace of God, according to Revelations 1, verse 7, that will be present when our Lord and Savior returns in the name of Jesus. Yes? So that glory, we do not want to depart from us in no way. We want to be a part of that glory. Um, and so what we basically gather from this entire chapter here is God revealing the commandments again to the people and how they ought to move, giving him these new tablets and being able to take it back to the people and letting them know this is what the Lord commanded. These are the laws that you are going to follow. What is the purpose of these laws, right? And as you read into the New Testament, specifically Romans, you begin to understand why these laws are put into place. But for the sake of why um, us being here right now, I can sort of shed some light on it. So the people that God already knew were going to commit these atrocities, right? Started sinning, started doing things that were against the nature of what God intended us to be, right? In Genesis, God had breathed life into us. He said, let us make man into our own image and let them go and subdue the earth. Meaning we are God-like people, many gods, right? We are God-like people that were meant to manifest God's true nature here on earth. Am I talking to somebody? But unfortunately, because of the fall of man, because of sin, we were not able to carry out that task. We were not able to exhibit such nature. But once again, we thank God for sending his son, Jesus Christ, who through him, we are redeemed, we are saved, we are spiritually renewed, and we are given a set of rules once again to follow so that we can be able to exhibit that very nature that we were supposed to do in the beginning when the first Adam fell, 
right? Jesus is like the second Adam, right? We got the first Adam. So there's an understanding of the purpose of the Ten Commandments, which till this day, no man can keep. Hence the reason why they couldn't, the Pharisees couldn't stand Jesus because he would always point out to them, you guys keep talking about this law, but you don't even keep it. You're judging, you sin, and then you're quick to judge somebody else for sinning and you forget that, uh, hello, you have your own. Who's really walking this earth, not sinning, not committing one or the other of those commandments? There are 10 of them. We should not worship any other gods, right? We shouldn't have any false idols. Well, guess what? Many of us today worship ourselves. How do we do that? Because we think we know it all. I am going to make it and I am going to be the goat. Oh, that word, greatest of all time. They tried to give that an acronym and give it a meaning when really God separates the sheep from the goats and the sheep are really the ones who follow the true shepherd. The goats follow the God of this world, AKA Lucifer, AKA Satan, AKA the devil. So I don't want anybody calling me, oh, you the real goat. Nope, sorry. No, I'm not, not a goat. I'm a sheep and I follow Christ. Mm-hmm. I will be the nice, humble little sheep. Bah, thank you. I don't want to be no goat, period. <laughs> and then we're just going to keep that at that. And I hope that for those of you who are coming to know Christ, you denounce the word goat from this day forward. Amen. Amen. So we denounce that word. But there's going to come a point in time where this glory that God is going to place on us because of this relationship that we are going to build with him because of our true nature, the essence of being in God's presence and really truly wanting him, seeking the kingdom first before anything else that involves our lives. God will now say, okay, yes, my son, yes, my daughter, you are ready for the true purpose I have called you for. Here you go. That is when we begin to hear from the Lord. That is when God tells us you're going to have to pick up you and your family and you're going to have to go to, I don't know, China. But just know that if God sends you there, God will be with you. He will never leave you unless you leave him, of course. But he will never leave you. And he will always make sure that his, 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 his task, his purpose is fulfilled through the vessel he wants to use. But see, we don't want to just be vessels used, right? We want to be used and approved until the coming of our Lord. So let's 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 pray that that's what it is that we come into the calling that God has for our lives and we're able to stay in that calling and fulfill it according to God's commandments. And in the end we get to meet our savior. I am so looking forward to that. Like I'm not afraid of death. I I'm really not. I am not afraid of death. What I'm afraid of is what could happen after I die. And so I don't want that fear anymore. I want my fear to be in the Lord and I want the Lord to order my steps in accordance with his word so that I will not be afraid of the afterlife because in that afterlife, I will be living eternally on this new Jerusalem in one of the mansions that God has my name on. Yes, sir. Me and my family, by the grace of God. So let's just understand that chapter four, chapter 34, excuse me, is just really talking about where God helps, um, Moses to rewrite these tablets and he gives him these commandments and Moses takes it back to the people. The people notice this glorious light shining upon Moses and they're like, whoa, who is this person? Like he really is up there with God. And, you know, putting this veil 
over his face. It's like in the presence of God, let's just say presumably at his own tent, right? Which had become the tabernacle of meeting because it said he would put the veil on and then he would go back in to go and um, talk to God and then he would come back out. And so anytime he would come out, Moses would take the veil. Um, anytime he would go in, I mean, Moses would take the veil off. But when he was among his people, he would put the veil back on his face. So it's just, it's easy to think that Moses wore the veil so the people would not be afraid to come near him. Because again, that glory shined so bright that it was like the radiance of the glory coming from Moses' face was just enough for people to be like, oh my God, is, is, or could that just be God himself? Like we can't come near him. Like we're so embarrassed how sinful we are. And if you, if you liken that to today, when somebody gives their life to Christ and you tell them that you have been made new, God has forgiven you of your sins. If you notice some people who wholeheartedly left their lives for Christ, start to cry and sob and relentlessly because their mentality is, why would he want to accept me? I'm so dirty. I'm so filthy. I've done crazy things. I've even cursed him out. You mean to tell me he still loves me because I've decided to accept him? <gasps> no, I am just I'm not even worth it. You can imagine. I mean, just imagine. And so these people who are so close to God yet far has Moses as their intermediary who comes out shining so bright that he has to put a veil over his face so that he, the people won't be afraid to come close to him. And Apostle Paul had explained the real purpose of the veil, right? He said, is uh, not to hide the shining face of Moses, but so that the diminishing glory of his face would not be observed because the glory was fading as well. Right. They were probably noticing that, too. And as we read, we'll, we'll get to learn these things. We'll get to learn these things. So the old covenant had a glory, but it was a fading glory. Right. Because God didn't want people to see the fading glory of the old covenant and lose confidence in Moses. And so every time that glory would start to fade, Moses would go back into the tent. And obviously his going back into the tent, his meeting place in the tabernacle with God would cause that glory to come back and shine. So he'd have to put that veil over his face. This is just metaphorically speaking, right? Because of their sin, that glory was fading. But God had a plan, right? He, and still has, but God had a plan for these people. And the only medium that was being used at that time was Moses. So he had to keep that glory shining to keep the people, right? So that they would still believe. I didn't want this old covenant to just go out. These people need laws. They need laws until my son comes. Obviously, they don't know that at that point, but they need these laws. Let's take a really quick break. And then we're going to get into chapter 35. It's not, as, it's not that long either. And let's see what happens when the people are being told about the 10 commandments so don't go too far go ahead and you know use the restroom real quick and i'm just going to put in this big commercial break and i'll be back chapter 35 guys do not leave me all right hey guys so we are back i hope you took a quick bathroom break or maybe even took some time to kind of digest what we just read. I hope it's resonating with you as it is with me. It always does. It doesn't matter how many times I've read the scripture. It all, it still does something. It always strikes a nerve for me and it, it just puts me 
in a place of perspective like okay you you got to stay on track Anike you can't fall off you can't let things like the bible is so good to read and I can't only limit my bible reading to when I'm going to do this podcast with you guys and not to say that I don't read but I don't read it as much as I should okay that's a transparency moment it can get tough sometimes you're not in the right headspace because we're allowing life to get a hold of us, to take control of our thoughts, to take control of our emotions and, and what we set out to do for the day. But we cannot forget, I myself included, we cannot forget that when we look to God first, everything else is like minute. Everything else is nothing. If we are coming to God, even when we are broke and we know that they're towing our car right now as we speak, right? But we're still praising God. You do know that he can replace that car tomorrow. But we do we have that faith? Do we have that belief? And it's something that I continue to work on. I constantly work on it. And it's something that I implore you all that are listening to do as well. That our faith should be even if it is the size of a mustard seed. And I know many of us have heard this. It was said in the Bible. Just that little bit to believe that there's hope in what we cannot see, but we know is going to happen because of the God we serve. He's a God of possibilities. He's a God that makes everything happen at the appointed time. And we all know that God's timing is the best. So please, people, I I feel like maybe the Holy Spirit needed me to put that in there. And I probably needed it for myself as well. No, I actually did need it for myself. And it's a, a good daily reminder. Put stickies somewhere. Use your phone as a wallpaper with a scripture that you love so much so that it just reminds you. Mine is Philippians 4, 4. And it really simply just says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. And it's a scripture personally that the Lord has given me that I should always rejoice. And so I apply this with my daughter. I apply it with my husband, you know, just asking God for patience. And I see the change. I'm a work in progress. I see it. It's happening. I'm so grateful for the Holy Spirit just, you know, convicting me and reminding me of the process of the transformation that I'm going through right now. So just, you know, so that I don't fall off track so I can stay on track. So. Um, I would suggest that you do the same. Find really good scriptures that you think, um, you know, uh, that tailors to your life. Everything tailors to our life, right? But there might just be one or two or three, right? Verses that really, really stand out and is significant for whatever you're dealing with in um, at any point in your life. And let that be like your daily model, your daily bread that you read before you go out, before you go to bed as a reminder of your father who is always there for you. Verse 35, this is titled, Sabbath Regulations. Then Moses gathered all the congregation of the children of Israel together and said to them, These are the words which the Lord has commanded you to do. Work shall be done for six days, but the seventh day shall be a holy day for you, a Sabbath of rest to the Lord. Whoever does any work on it shall be put to death. Okay, so we can, we can, so let's, let's stop really quickly because I know that a lot of people are like, wait a minute, 
But what if my job is demanding and God knows that I need it, right? I need it to pay my bills and things like that. Um, you're going to kill me because I, I decided I'm going to work on the day that you asked us to rest? Why would you do that to me, God? Why? Why? You know, so there's grace, obviously, because Jesus Christ came not to change the law, but to fulfill it. And the fulfillment of the law is by his grace, which abounds forever, that allows us the opportunity to, by coming to God saying, Lord, let me use one as an example. This job that you have blessed me with, right? We're acknowledging that God blessed us with this job. You blessed me with this job. I love it. It's great. Could be a bit demanding or taxing, but I love it. And it pays well. Food is on the table. Clothes on our back shoes on our feet. However, I have to work on Sundays, Father. If you take this in prayer to God, I did it. It worked for me. I don't think I ever worked on a Sunday in my life unless I chose to work. And Sunday is the day that we keep as our Sabbath, right? Some people do Saturday. I don't remember. I don't even think I recall even having weekends. And if I did... I probably don't remember, but I think maybe when I was living in Maryland, I think I had some weekend jobs. But for the most part, I always ask God to give me that Sunday off so that I can worship him. And it and it happened. At least I know the Lord answered me then. I'm, I probably wasn't as close to God as I am now, and I'm still working on my closeness. But at that time, I was very far from like where I am now. However, because of my upbringing, um, and my Christian values that were already instilled in me at a very young age, I did know and understand that when you talk to God, he's listening, right? And so I would do it anyway. And I think when I didn't put too much thought to it, that was when things really worked for me. But now that I'm putting so much thought to it, it's like, why are you overthinking? Before now, your prayers were being answered just like anything. That's, ooh, okay. I have a, I got a, I got a one-on-one -on -one with God because I think he just revealed something to me. So we'll, 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 we'll leave that at that. But I'm sure somebody who's listening now could probably relate to that. Whoa. Talk about revelation. Didn't we pray for that when we started the show? <laughs> that there should be a revelation, one that we probably have never heard, you know, so that we can come to the understanding of who he has designed us to be. Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So anyway, let's go to the commentary from David Guzik in um, this uh, study Bible. Whoever does any work on it shall be put to death. David Guzik says this was a strict call to obedience. Before they did the work of building the tabernacle, God first called Israel to the work of simple obedience. Basic obedience is a prerequisite for doing work for the Lord. So why is it necessary to refer so often to the Sabbath? There's so many scriptures, right, that talk about it. The observance was the best guarantee of continued loyalty to God. The Hebrew language has two words for work, avoda and melaka. Avoda and melaka. Avoda is a general term meaning work, while melaka is a word more related to business and things specifically forbidden on the Sabbath. One might say that here, God allowed some work, avoda, to be done on the Sabbath, but did not allow certain things on the Sabbath, especially business-related things. I think that is a wonderful way that David Guzik was able to break that down. So 
in plain English. God understands that we have to work, right? We're humans. We're not like immortal, right? We have to put food on our table. He has blessed us with children that we have to take care of. And of course, by his divine order, we have these jobs and we have these businesses and all these things that we're able to to um, perform at in order to gain money that we will use to take care of ourselves and our families. God completely understands that. He will not take that away from us. However, business-related things. So in other words, on the Sabbath, you're engaging in the buying and the selling of goods. And that may be your job. That may be your job because that's how you get paid. But can you stop that for today and acknowledge me and believe that whatever monies you would have made on that day, I will give it to you tenfold during the week when you work. Can we believe that? Can you actually do it? So any work that you're going to perform on the day, let it be to my glory. Giving to the poor, feeding the homeless, working in the church, cleaning the church. Do you know the blessings that come from cleaning up a church? From keeping a church in order, at least a church that is recognized in heaven, where the Holy Spirit is ever so present? Guys, if you're working for the Lord, there's nothing against it. But when you want to engage in business-related activities that's going to please man, your boss, right? Because it's pleasing man. It's not doing anything for God. It's doing something for your own selfish desire, which is money, because that is a selfish desire. That's what we want, money. And it is pleasing your boss who is saying, uh, you better obey me. I don't care what your God is saying. I need my stuff done so I can be on the island somewhere with my family chilling. That's another story for another day. We're going to get into that. So I just wanted to stop there in um, verse two for us to get an understanding of what the Lord is saying here. I hope that helps. Verse three, you shall kindle no fire throughout your dwellings on the Sabbath day. Hmm. Interesting. Kindle no fire. Huh. Okay. All right. Could it be that God is saying, I am going to be your light? Like the light of God is going to be the one that will be your light for you. I wonder. That's something that we can all look into, right? Offerings for the tabernacle, starting from verse 4. And Moses spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord commanded, saying, Take from among you an offering to the Lord. Whoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it as an offering to the Lord. Gold silver and bronze, blue, purple and scarlet thread, fine linen and goat's hair, ram skins dyed red, badger skins and acacia wood, oil for the light and spices for the anointing oil and for the sweet incense, onyx stones and stones to be set in the ephod and in the breastplate. And if we remember, we read all of these in the previous chapters. So for those who are tuning in, and this is the first episode you're listening to, thank you, welcome. But please go back to some of the episodes so you can understand all these offerings that are to be brought for the tabernacle. Articles of the tabernacle. Again, what we were talking about in previous chapters, starting from verse 10, it says, all who are gifted artisans among you shall come and make 
all that the Lord has commanded, the tabernacle, its tent, its covering, its clasps, its boards, its bars, its pillars, and its sockets, the ark and its poles with the mercy seat and the veil of the covering, the table and its poles, all its utensils and the showbread, also the lampstand for the light, its utensils, its lamps, and the oil for the light, the incense altar, its poles, the anointing oil, the sweet incense, and the screen for the door at the entrance of the tabernacle, the altar of burnt offering with its bronzing grating, its poles, all its utensils, and the layer, and the laver, and its base, the hangings of the court, its pillars, their sockets, and the screen for the gate of the court, the pegs of the tabernacle, the pegs of the court, and their cords, excuse me, please, <coughs> the garments of ministry for ministering the holy place, the holy garments for Aaron the priest, and the garments of his sons to minister as priests. So again, from chapters, from, excuse me, from verses four all the way to 19, these are articles and uh, clothing and what else? Offerings, all these things are the things that we had talked about in detail. They were talked about in detail in the previous readings. Their purposes, what they were, what they were for, you know, things like that. So please, I beg you to be able to go back so that you can understand that. Or you can go ahead and just open up your chapters and start reading from, I believe, chapter third, no, chapter 25 it is. It might be chapter 25. Um, and you'll be able to understand what all these offerings and articles are and what they are for. All right, verse 20, the tabernacle offerings presented. And all the congregation of the children of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. Then everyone came whose heart was stirred and everyone whose spirit was willing. And they brought the Lord's offerings. Do y'all hear that? Verse 21, then everyone who came, uh, then everyone came whose heart was stirred. They felt a strike in there, like something struck them. Dang, I'm a sinner. Everyone whose spirit was willing, not everyone who was willing, but whose spirit was willing. Because remember, when we were made in the image of God, it means that his spirit was placed in us. The problem is sin, right? The flesh is always warring with the spirit that God breathed in us. And sometimes, most times, the flesh wins and suppresses the Holy Spirit that is in us. But then there comes times or a time when the Holy Spirit comes up and overpowers the flesh, even if it's for a few minutes, a few seconds, but you know it because you stop dead in your tracks and you realize your wrongs. You realize your heart feels so heavy my spirit tells me I just did something wrong. That's what is expressed here. Everyone's spirit that was willing. And they brought the Lord's offering for the work of the tabernacle of meeting, for all its service, and for the holy garments. They came, both men and women, as many as had a willing heart, and brought earrings and nose rings, and rings and necklaces 
in jewelry of all gold that is every man who made an offering of gold to the Lord. And every man with whom was found blue, purple, and scarlet thread, fine linen, and goat's hairs, red skins of rams, and badger skins brought them. Everyone who offered an offering of silver or bronze brought the Lord's offering, and everyone with whom was found acacia wood for any work of the service brought it. All the women who were gifted artisans, artisans spurned yarn with their hands and brought what they had spun of blue, purple, and scarlet and fine linen. And all the women whose hearts stirred with wisdom spun yarns of goat's hair. The rulers brought onyx stones and the stones to be set in the ephod and in the breastplate and spices and oil for the light, for the anointing oil and for the sweet incense. The children of Israel brought a free will offering to the Lord. All the men and women whose hearts were willing to bring material for all kinds of work which the Lord by the hand of Moses commanded to be done. Mm. The artisans called by God, verse 36. Uh, sorry, verse 30. And Moses said to the children of Israel, See, the Lord has called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And he has filled him with the spirit of God in wisdom and understanding in knowledge and all manner of workmanship. There are going to be some of us that God sets apart and instills wisdom, knowledge, and understanding in specific areas or an area of one's life. Meaning you will be a master of that craft because God has blessed you with the know-how to master such and all manner of workmanship to design artistic works, to work in gold and silver and bronze, in cutting jewels for setting in carving wood, and to work in all manner of artistic workmanship. And he has put in his heart the ability to teach in him and Aholiab, the son of Ahisamach of the tribe of Dan. He has filled them with skill to do all manner of work of the engraver and the designer and the tapestry maker in blue, purple, and scarlet thread and fine linen and of the weaver, those who do every work and those who design artistic works. This ends chapter 35. Wow. So now I liken chapter 35 to preparation. If you notice everything that we had read prior and what they stood for, uh, what its purpose was and things like that is now being mentioned again because, right, God has now laid out, he renewed, he renewed these covenants. Well, I should say he just rewrote them right on these tablets. It's now being presented to the people as it was supposed to before Moses in anger broke it, mm, Moses, you know, but now that we have the 10 commandments, this is going to be presented to the people. In order to present this to the people, I need the Sabbath to be made holy. There shall be no business being regulated at any point in time on that day, except the work of preparing the tabernacle, preparing the people, preparing a feast for the people to eat, whatever it is that is all glorious in God's sight. Nothing that is to please self or man. Everything must be done in accordance to God's commandment. And so all these things are brought back up, at least to my understanding, when I read this, <clears throat> in order to carry out 
in order to talk about these commandments. And so I'm really curious to see how this goes. Did the people rebel again? Because it's one thing for your heart to be stirred. And I know this happens today with many of us God-fearing Christians. We, we get so fired up after a revival or after some big harvest or whatever it is. And we're like, oh, yes, Holy Spirit, work, Holy Spirit, move, Holy Spirit, do not depart from me. Help me to walk in your ways. Help me to do according to your will. Lord, help me to win souls for your kingdom. And then two days later, somebody sends you a post on social media. And you're only meant to look at that post, but then you start scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and then you stop and you stare and you say wow this person is living life this person is enjoying look at their house their cars the, uh, her hair I, don't, I can't even get my hair done every month let alone every two weeks as it should be Oh, this person is enjoying. This person is living life. My God, how come you are blessing them and not me? And then we start to lose that fire. We start to lose that spirit that was like really swelling up inside of us because now we're complaining. We're complaining and we're comparing what God can do for us with what the world is offering man. I hope I'm talking to somebody. Whew. God help us. But as you can see here, there are so many things that mankind had to do just to get forgiveness, just to seek forgiveness from God. And today, God made it so easy for us that through his only begotten son, we are able to receive forgiveness if we truly mean it that we are able to love and that we are able to obey and that we are able to live the life that we are living now peacefully, whether you're rich or not. Whether you are wealthy or not, you should already be living a wealthy lifestyle. In other words, a lifestyle that is pleasing to God, a lifestyle that entails you praising God for what you have and what you do not have and what is to come. Hallelujah. That is what God wants us to do. That is what God wants you to do, Anike. I hope I'm speaking to somebody that is listening. I want to thank you all so much for tuning in but I also want to implore you pick up the Bible read it and don't just read it like some novel or you know just some book because it's a it's a book no it's not an ordinary book this happens to be one book that never changes there might be different translations but the message is still the same. It doesn't change. God's words never go unfulfilled. Don't look at this book like some ordinary random book. Don't look at this book like them self-help books you guys read. There's always revised revisions and versions of books. People who write books go back and say, I no longer want that when I'm writing a new one. This book stays the same forever. It doesn't change. That's enough proof to let you know this God that we are serving is real. This God is real. 
take a moment, take a chance on God, not yourself. We can't take a chance on ourselves. We would die a million times. Life without the spirit of God is death. You are just walking dead if you have not got the spirit of God in you. Yes, you are. But with the Holy Spirit residing in you, by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, you are alive. You are living. And you will live even after this body dissipates into ashes. Your soul will continue to live with Christ. But how do you do that? You got to confess your sins. You have to let God know that you are a sinner. You have sinned. Jesus, please forgive me. Have mercy on me. I now believe truly that you are the son of God. You died to save me from me. Lord, now I ask that you just come and live inside of me. And I want to live inside of you. And I want to be at your right hand. I want to be a thought whenever you think of your children. Father, Please forgive me. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Wrap me in the garment of your mercy, O God, and may it never depart from me. I want to be where you are daily, dwelling in your presence at all times. Make me a new person. Transform me. Throw away this old man and put a new man in me. Talk to God. He's listening. He knows your heart. Ask him to search it. Ask him to bring to light the things you're doing that you don't even realize you're doing that is sinful against God. He's not expecting us to be perfect, but we can be perfect in his sight when we do according to his will. Notice I said we. I didn't say you. We. All of us because I'm not perfect either. But I want people to experience what I experience when I am in the presence of God, when I actually allow God to take control, to let his will be done. It's such a good feeling. It's warming. It's, oh, thank you, Jesus. Well, I want to appreciate you guys once again for listening once in a while like that. You know, God will really put it on your spirit. Um, but God has called you and I for a purpose, which makes us employed by God. We are workers. We are servants. We serve the people he sends us to. We don't boss them. We're not over them. We are more like shepherds. We're more like the light for them to follow so that whatever he has called upon their lives, they can realize it and walk in that purpose as well. That's our job, to be the light, to be Christ-like, to exhibit Christ's very nature above all is love so I pray for everyone listening and even for myself that what we have read today what has been shared by the help of the Holy Spirit that we will come to a place of understanding of who you have created us to be that we begin to walk in the very nature of that calling that you have upon our lives, oh God, so that we can be the vessels you want us to be 
and begin to work in that calling until you have called us home. Lord, I thank you so much for this opportunity. I thank you for this platform, and I thank you for the people who are listening right now. And I ask, oh God, that you bless us all and that the calling you have in our lives will never, ever be in vain. May we all live in it and live up to the expectations of God. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen, amen, amen in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God is good. Thank you all for listening. Please be blessed and remember, always, always put God first. Until next week. Bye.